All right, well, let's open up in prayer. We got a lot to cover today. Father, we just come to you in the precious, matchless, awesome, majestic, wonderful name above all names, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus Christ. We just lift him up today. We lift up his name. We thank you for the Holy Spirit, the teacher, the helper, the instructor, the revealer of truth that lives on the inside of us. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you just well up big on the inside of us, that we have ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to understand. And Lord, we thank you that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're, today we're going to talk about one of my favorite subjects. God's Word is medicine. God's Word is medicine. Uh, let's get right into this thing. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20, we're going to look at verse 20 through 23. I got it in the NLT here. And then we're going to look at it in the Passion. So I'll give you guys a, a second there. Proverbs 4, ch- chapter 4, verse 20. Uh, through 23, I'm going to read it in the NLT. It says, my child, pay attention to what I say. We got some parents in the house that ever say that? (laughs) Boy, listen to what I'm saying now. (laughs) Listen, (laughs) Listen carefully to my words. Listen carefully. So we got to pay attention. We got to listen carefully. To my words, this is, this is Jesus, the living word, talking to us here. And then it goes on to say, don't lose sight of them. How often do we drift? We get that word in it, and then that slow leak, we lose sight of it. He's saying, don't lose sight of it. Let it penetrate deep into your heart. For then it will bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole Bodies, And I'm talking from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. I'm talking about your mind, will, and emotions. I'm talking about whatever it may be, whether it's cancer or a fever. It's got to go, and it wants, he wants to bring health, life, and healing to each and every one of us. He's already provided it. It goes on in verse 23. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of of your life. Let's let's read it here. I love this this verse. Uh, sometimes grabbing other translations helps draw it out a little bit better. I like it here in the Passion Translation. Once again, Proverbs 4, 20 through 23. It's it, the heading on it is healing words. Listen carefully, my dear friend, to everything that I teach you and pay attention to all that I have to say. Fill your thoughts with my words. Until they penetrate deep into your spirit. You know, there's your spirits, the real you. We live in this body. We have a soul, but we are a spirit. We are spirit beings. So we want that word to fill our thoughts with the word until it penetrates deep into our spirit, into our innermost being. And then as you unwrap my words, they will impart true life and I like this radiant health into the very core of your being. Verse 23. So above all, guard the affections of your heart. Affections, that could even even lead into obsessions. Things that we get obsessed with, things that we get consumed with in this life that the enemy is constantly enticing us for our attention. Not only, he doesn't just want our attention, he wants to captivate our hearts with the things of the world and cause us to drift away from the things of God. 
And that's why it's saying here that we need to, above all, guard the affections of our heart. For they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being. For there flows the wellsprings of life. That's the Passion Translation. So in essence, the the word of God is so powerful and has the healing properties in it and the potential to be healed every time when we learn to apply it to our lives. That's the key, learning to apply this word. How do we take this word? How do we apply this word? We're getting into it today. I just want to break it down with just some good, solid Bible, practical teaching today. Um, I want to just take a look for just a minute here from the natural context. If you go to your doctor and he says, okay, you got this going on in your body and you need a medication. Or you go to your psychiatrist and they say, hey, you need, you need a medication. to," And, and, and they tell you it's going to take about eight weeks to kick in. And then you got to continue beyond that if you want to stay well. This is from the natural standpoint. And what's so funny is, is we would, most people would be religiously diligent to what their natural doctor says. When, he, when the doctor gives them instructions to do something concerning their health or well-being when it comes to medication or whatever the regimen may be, they're going to stick to it to a T. And thank God for good doctors. And doctors really are trying to accomplish the very same goals that God is. And that is to bring healing into our lives. Oh, this one just came to me. Healing is in our DNA. As children of God, healing is in our DNA. The fact of the matter is, if you break your leg, it's going to heal itself. If you break your arm, it's going to heal itself. If you break your ankle, it's going to heal itself. Why? Because the DNA and the healing power of God is working in you, whether you're looking for it or asking for it or not. I'm preaching. How much more should we have confidence in the great physician and in God's word in our lives? What are we talking about? God's word is medicine. So thank God for the wisdom that he's sharing with us here in the book of Proverbs chapter 4. So let's kind of break it down here. Our instruction, you know, our B-I-B-L-E, Basic instructions before leaving earth. Anybody ever heard that? B-I-B-L-E is the book for me. Basic instructions before leaving earth. Well, let me give you a few basic instructions here. You guys all right with that? All right. First, and we're, and we're, we're kind of um, recapping Proverbs 4, 20 through 23, starting in verse 20. First, we got to listen continually. We got to hear the word. Let me talk to you kids and and, and other people that's just practical to our lives today. From podcasts to audiobooks to like me, I like my old-fashioned Bible in my hand, reading it out loud. There's something about taking the word of God and reading it out loud that produces power in our lives, because it's the enemy that wants to shut our mouths. You know, sometimes we need to read quietly because of maybe we got other people around, and God's cool with that. But as much as possible, read the Word of God out loud. Read it out of your mouth. Or even when you're listening to the podcasts, 
you know, at least you're hearing it. Romans 10, 17, that says that faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing some more by the word of God. So we got to hear the word. We got podcasts, audio books, reading our Bibles, hearing the word, getting it in us, reading it out loud. Secondly, we are to keep it before our eyes, both our natural eyes and our spiritual eyes. We need to envision it. We need to see it. We need to take that scripture that is relevant to our situation and keep it before our eyes. In other words, we need to read and we need to study the word to allow it to penetrate our hearts. The only word, way it's going to penetrate is to read it and to study it and to feed on it. 2 Timothy 2.15 says that we need to study to show ourselves approved unto God, a worker that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So we need to be Bible people. You know, sometimes we just throw it off on preachers and say, well, I'll just listen to a podcast or I'll just listen to a preacher. Thank God for those resources, but that is just a snack. That is not you having intimacy with your father. You need to lay down some of that stuff and say, God, I'm going to get with you with my Bible in hand, maybe a little worship music going on in the background, and I'm just going to talk to my father. That's what he's looking for. We have these resources so we can grow in knowledge, but we have our Bibles and our prayer lives so we can grow in intimacy. Mm. So the third, so studying to show ourselves approved, keeping it before our eyes. And what was the first one? Listening and, and hearing it, keeping it in our ears, keeping it before our eyes so that ultimately it can get into our heart. Now there's a third ins instruction, so there's two. There's a third instruction, and we're going to cover that a little later. But I just want to give you guys a truth alert here. <laughs> this could take some time. These instructions that I'm giving you will take time. Like I said, with, with the natural doctor, and even the body healing itself, because we have healing in our DNA, praise God, it takes time. It might take, um, what, what is it, physical training, uh, physical therapy, thank you. You got to get in there and, and do your physical therapy. You got to do your due diligence. Just like he said, we need to be due diligent in the word of God if we are going to produce the medicine that God is wanting to get into our bodies, get into our minds, get into our lives so that we can then be conduits to bring it into other people's lives. Because if you aren't healed, we got too many wounded healers out there. And God is wanting to bring healing and restoration into your life so that then you can turn around and testify and bring it into other people's lives because we cannot give what we do not have. Let me say that again. We cannot give what we do not have. So this is going to take some time. You know, I think about it from the natural. It's talking about getting this word deep inside of our hearts. Now, we got our head up here. We got our heart down here. What's that? Maybe 12 inches from our head to our heart in the natural Seems like that should be just a, a quick little jaunter. <laughs> 
but how difficult it can be to get from the human intellect realm and mentally ascending to what the Bible says and saying, yeah, I understand that, but yet it's not producing fruit in your life. Why? Because it hasn't penetrated deep within your heart. This requires persistence. This requires a due diligence on our part. You know, we've all been programmed and hardwired different ways. We all think differently. We all operate differently. And it takes time. If you've been off in the deep end in la-la land and, and you're, the programming of your thinking is all messed up, it's going to take some time to rewire it to the Word of God. Just like it's going to take eight weeks to get your medicine kicking in, and then you got to stick with it, most people give up on the Word in a couple of days if they don't see results. It's the hand of the diligent that produces fruit. Those who diligently seek me will find me. Come on now. Stick with it, though. Keep the Word in you, and gradually over time, things will begin to change. Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I preached on that a little at Bible Breaking and Bros last weekend. But we got to get that Word in it. We got to give it time for the medicine to work, and we cannot deter from it. Once it's been put in, all we got to do is I thank you that the healing power of God has been administered unto me. And it is working mightily in my body right now, even as I speak. But so, so many times we are snared by the words of our mouth. And we are double-minded, unstable in all our ways, as James said. He told us to be doers of the word and not hearers only. He also said don't be unstable. We need to be fully committed to what God said, even if our life is not in alignment yet. And, and let me just say this. All of us have areas in our lives that are not in line with the word yet. Because we're all a work in progress and it takes time. So don't be discouraged when you look at the word and you're like, man, my life does not look like the word. It's all right. It takes time. And let me just say this, too, that just because, you know, it's not across the board. It's not I'm all carnal or I'm all spiritual. It ain't that way. Just You might look at yourself and say, man, I got a rough area, so I'm just a carnal Christian. No, you're not. You just have one area that needs some more work. You can be very spiritual in other areas and very carnal in others, and we're all a work in progress. So be encouraged. Be encouraged because you're... This is a progressive thing, not an overnight thing. All right, you guys hearing me? So, so much of this is determined by our ear gate and our eye gates. What we let in, garbage in, garbage out. What we listen to, what we watch will determine our success in life. If it's God's word we are feeding on, we will produce both life, health, and healing into our lives. Here for a second here to verse 23. We're still in Proverbs chapter 4. Verse 23, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. In other words, we need to be diligent about what we are giving access to in our hearts. We can't just be an open book. And I'm not saying, and there's a fine line here because there's a lot of people that will close themselves off 
to people, to, to life, and they become hermits because they're in the name of I'm guarding my heart. We need to learn to allow the love of God to allow trust to rise up in people because God wants us to walk with one another in unity. He wants us to have those rich relationships that's going to bring more joy in your life than you could ever imagine. Because there are people that you need in your life that have gifts and talents that are going to benefit you. On the flip side, there are gifts and talents and abilities in you that other people desperately need. So as we're guarding our hearts, let's guard our hearts, but not at the expense of discarding people. We need to trust people, but we need to have the wisdom of God to discern who we can trust and who we can't. That's what we need. Who can I let in and who can I not let in? That is the, the, the question. You guys hearing me? That is the question, guarding our heart. Who can I let in and who can I not? Holy Spirit, I need your help to do that, and he will help you guard your heart in that way. The enemy and his lies, we must say, access denied. We need to slam the door, lock it, throw away the key. If you're dabbling in areas, the Lord is saying stop dabbling because you get beside that muddy, slippery bank of sin. It's only a matter of time you're going to slip into that thing and you're going to end up going farther than you want to go and staying longer than you want to stay. So don't be dabbling. Put both feet in with the Lord. I used this story a couple months back. I'm just going to give you the Reader's Digest version. I, I, did the, I shared this story with the, uh, the morning leadership team a few months back. But you guys remember that awesome Christmas movie, Home Alone? Some of you guys remember me telling this story. But we got Kevin, and he's been left behind by his family, and they go on vacation, and Kevin's at home by his house, and he's rejoiced, and he's glad to have, be the man of the house and to, you know, being able to do his own thing. Well, towards the end of the movie, he's up in the window, and he's, and he's peering out because he's suspicious of these burglars that have been in town. Well, he opened up the window and heard the burglars saying, yeah, we're going to come tonight and raid this house, and we'll be there around 9 o'clock. So Kevin made sure to make provision for that. And he laid out all kinds of crazy stuff from micro machines on the floor to nails in the tar. And, and, uh, and so what, what I'm getting at here is, is Kevin laid out the blueprints. And it was so cool when you watch a movie, he rolls out these blueprints. And it's like this 10-year-old with all his coloring stuff laying out all this strategic plans and that's us needing to lay out the word of God and not be ignorant of the enemy's devices he had a really cool blueprint our blueprints the word of God and his the memorable statement in that movie he said this is my house and I have to defend it this is my house you are the house of God and it is your obligation to defend it it is your obligation to know and to, to decide what comes in and what must stay out. 
And we got to be more bold in this day and age than ever before because what the world think things are getting so twisted up and what the world thinks is 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 right is actually wrong and things are all mixed mixed up. We need to get back to the Bible. We need to know it for ourselves. We need to stand up in these days, even if it means laying down our life. We got it easy here in America. But just a little food for thought, would you be willing to lay down your life for Jesus for the sake of the gospel? Tony and I watched that movie of the Columbine incident with that Joyce Scott, Rachel Joyce Scott, I believe her name was. And she was a not a perfect girl, a regular teenager that loved the Lord. And some crazy dudes who played video games came and just massacred Columbine. And they put an AK-47 to her said to her head and said, do you still believe? And she said, yes. So we still have martyrs today. If a 16-year-old girl can do that, you can too. And it, I'm not saying it's going to come to that point, but are you willing? Are you willing? Mm, this is better. This is good stuff. So the same attitude towards guarding our hearts, we so everything that comes to our minds must go through the filter of God's word. So everything that we hear, everything that we see, we need to take this Bible and say, okay, is this in alignment or not? I love that analogy of the of the the hundred dollar bills and the people that that that. Um, analyze them down to the T so that they are able to recognize the counterfeit. The enemy has a great counterfeit. He doesn't create nothing, but he just counterfeits what God is doing. He just twists it and perverts it and makes it ungodly. But what we need to do is not focus on the counterfeit and what the enemy is doing, but we need to focus on the authentic, which is the word of God. And when you got the authentic in your heart and in your soul, when the counterfeit comes knocking on the door, you know it's there and you're quick to recognize and you tell it to go. You pull down those thoughts and those strongholds. A couple statements for you. One from one of my favorite preachers uh, from South Carolina, Ron Carpenter. He said, it's not the thought that comes and goes that we need to be concerned about. It's the thought that comes and stays. It's not the thought that comes and goes that we need to worry about. It is the thought that comes and stays that we need to be concerned about. Because we all have fleeting thoughts, right? They're coming at us from every which direction all the time. Um, I'm very analytical, so I got thoughts popping constantly. Sometimes it's like, Lord, just shut this thing down, please. <laughs> but that's just the way I'm wired. Uh, but those thoughts that, that come, and they're always coming, once, once again, they need to go through the filter of God's word, and either I'm accepting that or I am rejecting that. Either I'm receiving that and laying hold of it, or I'm casting that thing down. Kenneth E. Hagin used to say this about thoughts in the mind. He said, you cannot stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can stop it from building a nest on your head. Got a quick story for you guys. When we lived down in Oklahoma, 
We had a beautiful house down there, and I'm believing the Lord's going to give us a good one up here, too. We paid a big price to make this move, but God is always faithful. He is always faithful. But we were down there, and we had a beautiful home, and I'm sitting out on the back porch, which is all undercover, and the guy that, that lived in this house, he had so many cool little techie things that I was really into. He had outdoor surround sound built in underneath my undercover area. He had a nice screen that I could pull down when I'm out there having my coffee and Bible reading so I'm not getting blasted by the sun. Um, I had an overhead fan outside in the summer when it's hot out. I got the fan going. Man, you can live big down there. Uh, <laughs> but that's all, that's all right. Yeah, I'm, I'm Oklahoma boy, and I'm proud. I'm, I'm a Washingtonian, too. I, I was telling Tony I need to get one Washington sticker on my car and one Okie on the other side. Because it is near and dear to our heart. But anyway, we had a bird coming in that was trying to nest up on my fan. And I'm thinking, uh-uh, this ain't happening. And so I, I tear the thing down. I mean, it, you kind of feel bad he's building this thing and I'm tearing it down, but you ain't doing it here. And so I get the broom out and I'm taking that thing, tearing it down. And... Uh, I think I went away to work or something, and then Tony came by later in the afternoon, and there it was again. And by now, the thing's darn near built. I'm thinking, good grief, these birds are relentless. They will not quit. So I think Tony probably tore it down that time. I'm about ready to rip the fan off the wall there because uh, it was so frustrating. But the Lord gave, me a clever, uh, gave us a clever idea. Just tie a little... Um, grocery sack up there, the little one, because it gets windy down there, and just tie it up to the fan. It may not look pretty, but it'll keep the birds away for a while, and so that thing's just whipping in the wind, you know, freak the birds out. They ain't building no more nests. We need to have that same mentality with the Word of God, that the Word of God is like that plastic that keeps the enemy at bay, that keeps the lies at bay. Because we are snared by those lies of the enemy that constantly try to bombard our minds and tell us who we are and rob us, rob us of our identity in Christ. But the reality is we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We are a new creation. We are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb. We are adopted into the family of God. We are citizens of heaven. We shall not endure one minute in hell if you make Jesus Lord of your life. So let's not be letting the enemy build nests in our head, but let's tear those things down and let the word of God be engrafted. Thank you. New mic, I'm learning. So it may seem like maybe I've digressed a bit, from, God, but I'm still talking about God's medicine here. And it's because our thoughts and the lies of the enemy that talk to us, they talk us right out of God's healing. The lies of the enemy will rob you from receiving what God already provided for you. It's already there. It's already available. It's there for the picking. But he's not going to force it upon you. He gives you a free will. The, and and that, that goes across the board. God will let you do whatever you want to do. But there's going to be consequences or blessings depending on what you choose. But the lies of the enemy 
will rob you from receiving God's healing. Remember, it's the word working in us that works healing and acts like medicine. Psalms 107.20, I'm going to read this in multiple translations. It's a short verse, powerful verse, um, but I'm going to read it in like five translations because it's just the bomb and I like it. So Psalms 107 verse 20, I got it in the NIV. It says, he sent out his word and healed them and he rescued them from the grave. Anybody glad they've been rescued from the grave, that the grave no longer has power over you? That even when you are buried, you absent from the body, present with the Lord. Hallelujah. He sent out his word and healed them, snatching them from the doors of death. He sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. He sent his word forth and healed them and he rescued them from the pit. I don't know about you, but I've been in some pits in this life. I don't want to be in that pit. I don't want to be in that eternal pit. God's wanting to raise us up out of the pit and set our feet upon the rock, upon solid ground. He wants us to be stable. He wants us to be strong. He sent his word. This is the King James. Sometimes I just like the King James. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Is this good news or not? Anybody good with this? Jesus was the living word in action. Oh, praise God. The clock's working on my behalf today. Thank you, Jesus, for slowing that down. <laughs> Jesus is the living word. If you didn't know that, he is the living word. It says here in John 1.14, the word became flesh. John 1.14, it says, if you're taking notes, write this down. John 1.14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of only the begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Aren't you glad that we live in the dispensation of grace? That God is so good, he is so faithful, and his grace is right there for you whenever you need it. So in review, let's recap a few things. So in our key scripture here, Proverbs 4, 20 through 22, we need to keep the word in our eyes and in our ears and allow it to go beyond our heads and into our hearts. When it does, it will produce life and healing to our whole, our whole bodies. So we got to see it, we got to hear it, and we got to stick with it long enough to where it goes from our heads and, 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 and penetrates our hearts. And then health and healing will come to our whole body. Another translation says that the word is working like medicine. So healing and medicine, really, um, you can interchange those if you like. So this is the first step in the process. So we're here, we're here, we're reading in Proverbs 4, verse 20. This is some good teaching here. Proverbs 4, verse 20, we get the first step of the process. Then in Romans 10, 9, and 10, it says that we need to, I'm just paraphrasing here, you can write it down, but we need to first believe in our hearts and declare with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. That is kind of the script, our go-to scripture when it comes to salvation, but it is the go-to scripture when it comes to receiving anything from God. 
You could take this scripture alone. I believe in my heart, and I'm paraphrasing it, so I'm kind of butchering it a little. But Romans 10, 9, and 10, if we believe in our hearts and declare with our mouth that I am healed, that I am whole, that I am well, that my bills are paid, that my wife ain't mad at me no more, that we, that we, that we ain't fighting, that we ain't scrapping, that there ain't no strife in my house. I believe it in my heart, and I declare it with my mouth. We hear it. Faith comes by hearing, and faith is released through our words. So everything we receive from God comes through Romans 10, 9, and 10. Proverbs 18, 21 states, I'm getting to the third point. I haven't forgotten about it. Proverbs 18, 21 states that death in life is in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. That's the New King James. So in other words, what you are speaking out of your mouth is either producing life or death. Your words are setting things in motion whether you realize it or not. You say, man, my bills are never paid. My wife is always frustrated with me. Well, you can have what you say. There's plenty of scriptures that... that that verify that, you can have what you say. Are you going to be snared by the words of your mouth, or are you going to be blessed by the words of your mouth? Mm. So our third instruction is found in Joshua 1, verse 8 and 9. We're going to look at it in the NLT, and we're going to break it down, too. I got into the dictionary and had some fun. I guess that's just the studious one in me that comes out occasionally. <laughs> Once in a while. So our third instruction, okay, you guys still tracking with me? All right, Joshua 1, 8, and 9 in the NLT. It says, study this book of instruction, or we could say study the Word of God. Continually, there's that word continually again. There's something about doing something on a consistent basis that produces results. You can't just spit a scripture out and say that's going to be enough. It's kind of like just taking your medication one time and thinking it's going to get the job done. No, it's the persistence. It's the continuation. It's the, it's the ongoing, I'm doing this thing. This book, study it. The Word of God, continually meditate on it day and night so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then, only then, only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. So we're wanting to, we're wanting to study this Word continually. And as we study it, I like what the Scripture says in Proverbs, that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what you put into your heart is ultimately going to come out of your mouth. And that's why it's so critical that we get that word saturated in our hearts. Even when it's in our heads, even when we don't believe it, even when it doesn't make sense, even when our lives don't line up with what it says, stick with that word until things change. The neuroplasticity in your brain can change. It's a scientific fact. 
no matter what damage has been done through drugs and abuse in your life or abusive relationships where people have torn you down, the neuroplasticity in your brain can change through the power of the word of God. If you put it in you continually, it will begin to drive out what is poisoning you and it will begin to produce the things that will heal you. Mm. I like the Ron Carpenter thing back here. You can keep that going. I think there's an anointing on that. I might, I might start requesting that. That's the brother in me, man. In white skin. Come on now. <laughs> but there's an encouragement here in verse 9. So we're being challenged, but God is so good about when he challenges us he doesn't just leave us there. Then he encourages us. Because it's that encouragement that gives us the strength to follow the instructions. Come on now. So verse 9 says, this is a command. In other words, receive my encouragement. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. In other words, God and you have got this. You've got this. Just stay with the word. There's a bunch of nut fruits and flakes out there with their opinions and stuff. I don't give a rip about opinions. What does the Bible say? And get in there and know it for yourself. Because you, some of you are saying, God doesn't speak to me. Open your Bible. He is speaking to you every day through the Holy Spirit and through the word of God. Mm. Might get that Ron Carpenter anointing on me here a little bit. That's my boy. So some synonyms for meditation. These are some different ones. I kind of like these. T write this down. So we're looking at Joshua 1, 8, and 9. So some synonyms for meditation. Chew over, consider, contemplate, deliberate, entertain, kick around, mull over, Ponder it. Pour over it. I like that. Pour over that word. Question. You know, it's okay to ask questions. I got a lot of questions that I need answers to. God, God knows everything. Go to him. He'll answer your questions. Ruminate. Study. Think about. And then, or about over, and then turn, weigh, or even wrestle with it. Sometimes we got to wrestle with it like, like uh, Jacob did with the angel of the Lord. Sometimes you got to be relentless. You got to wrestle with it. You got to get after it. You got to have some tenacity to get what God has promised you. It's not always going to just be handed on a silver platter, although it's already available. Like I've said before, we are not fighting for victory, we're fighting from victory, but there is still a fight to fight. You got to take it. I like that. You got to wrestle with it. Oh, I love this statement. The Lord gave me this one a long time ago. Meditation on God's word is like medication for your soul. Meditation on God's word, what we're talking about here, chewing on, considering, contemplate, deliberate, entertain, kick around, mull over, ponder, ruminate, study, wrestle with that word, meditating on it, 
will bring medication will be like medication for your soul. We believe and therefore we speak. Second Corinthians 4:13 it says, "And since we have the same spirit of faith, mm, this is my rhema coming out. And since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believe and therefore I speak. We also believe and therefore we speak. So I'm saying this for myself. I believe and therefore I speak. And now he's saying to you, we also believe and therefore speak. Do I have some we also's in here? We also believe and therefore speak. Open up your mouth. It's a sword. It's a weapon. It will keep the enemy at bay. When you speak forth the word, when you speak forth the name of Jesus with a little bit of boldness and authority. And if you're lacking it, ask for it. Lord, give me the boldness. Give me the wisdom to know what to do in any given situation. We release our faith by opening our mouth, lifting up our voice, and then acting like it's so. We need to act like it's already done. And then we respond accordingly as we see in a few accounts of the gospel. Jesus is the cure. He is the medicine. He is the living word for all mankind. He is the great physician. And the majority of people, get this, the majority of the people that Jesus healed responded as an act of faith. I'm going to close here with just a couple Jesus scriptures. Because he's my guy. He's my... I like that old shirt that says, Jesus is my homeboy. <laughs> That's funny. <clears throat> but two of Jesus' main points were, and I'll just give you the references, John 10, 10, two of Jesus' main purposes. Obviously, his ultimate purpose was to go to the cross, but two of his main purposes while he lived on the earth We'll find it right here. John 10, the thief cometh not but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, Jesus, came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So if bad things are happening in the world, stop blaming it on God. There's an enemy in this world, and Satan is the little G, the God of this world, and he is raking havoc. And the bad things that are happening, we got to stop pawning it off on God. Why did you let this happen? The enemy, the thief cometh but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And some of you need to hear this too. The secret things belong to the Lord. So stop digging for stuff that God ain't revealing. This is revelation right here. The secret things belong to the Lord. He'll reveal what you need to know, but it's on a need-to-know basis. If you don't need to know, he ain't going to tell you. The secret things belong to the Lord. Acts 10.38. Oh, I could preach on this one all day. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. He was no respecter of persons. Did he heal everybody? No. But everybody that came to him with the spirit of faith, he said, I will heal all. He was rejected at Nazareth because of their unbelief. But he healed all who came to him in desperation and with the spirit of faith. Let's look at a couple examples here, and I'm almost done. At Jesus at work. I, I, was, I was camping out in Mark this week. 
<laughs> I didn't get past chapter 5. And I couldn't believe how many healings and miracles took place in five chapters of the Gospels. It's like I just scratched the surface here. And then, and then it says in one, in one verse, maybe in Revelation, I'm, don't quote me on that, but if they were to contain everything that Jesus did in his life, we don't have enough books in this world to contain them. So we got just a little tidbit in the Word of God. And in five chapters that I read this week, it blew my mind how many healings that took place. In Mark 1, 21, the Word, or Jesus heals a demon-possessed man. How? He spoke and commanded it to go. We believe and therefore we what? Speak. Whether it's telling anxiety to go, whether it's telling fear to go, this is not something we exercise on people. This is something that we exercise on the enemy and his cohorts. And the, and the thoughts that try to bombard our mind, those, li- those, those thoughts don't line up with the word. I pull them down and I command them to go in the name of Jesus. And I, I'm constantly pleading his blood over my life like a force field all around me. Wherever I go, the blood of Jesus is like a force field. Nothing can touch me. Not because of anything great that we can do, but Jesus is our shield and buckler. He goes before us. He stands behind us. He's all around us, and he lives within us. You can't get any closer or better than that. Man, I'm having fun. (laughs) This is cool. So he casts out this, this foul spirit. He spoke the word with authority. Go. This, once again, is, is this going through the filter of God's word? God ain't wanting nobody possessed. God ain't wanting nobody oppressed. God ain't wanting nobody sick or, or cast down. So we filter that through the word and say, wait a minute. That ain't God. That's got to go in Jesus' name. Satan, you're a liar and the father of lies. Shut up, take your symptoms and cohorts, and you know where the door is. Get out of here in Jesus' name. And you might have to do it over and over and over and over and over again. You keep doing it, and eventually it's, it's going to stop. But it takes the relentless because the devil's relentless. Just outlast him. Just outlast him because he's already lost the war. We just keep, need to keep fighting the good fight of faith in these battles along the way. <laughs> like I said, five chapters. Just a couple verses down, Mark 129, he heals Peter's mother-in-law of a high fever. He took her by the hand. Okay, so we're talking about action. There's some action involved. Like we were talking about the meditation, talking about feeding on the word. Um, we need to take that action. Even, even Peter's mother, when Jesus took her by the hand, she sat up. And what did she do? She made him a meal. She, made, she cooked for him. She'd been sick of the high fever, but God healed her. A leper cleansed. I'm going to read it. I'm winding down. I'm almost done. And like like I said, I'm still in chapter 1 here. (laughs) That's how awesome the word is. I mean, you keep going. I tell you what, you want God's medicine, just hang out in the Gospels and hang out in the book of Acts. And you will find it over and over and over again. You will be fully persuaded if you keep feeding on it. God will change your mind. He's desiring to change your mind. Lay down stubbornness. Lay down pride and say, Lord, I submit myself to your will. 
into your word, into your ways. Okay, Mark 1, 40, verse 40, verse... Mark 1, 40 through 42, James. This is what I started on. It's like my default. I always go back to New King James. That's just, my first pastor was that way, so I stuck with it. Anyway, Mark 1.40, it says, Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him. Now these lepers, I don't know if you Google it or not, but it's some pretty scary stuff. But G- And they were outcasts. They'd be like monks. They would be like those that are just off in the distance. They were not accepted in society, sad to say. But Jesus kneeled down and touched the man. He could have pointed at the man and healed him. But he was moved with compassion, reached out and touched this man who no one else would ever touch. You know, humanity craves the human touch. We need it. Whether you're an introvert, extrovert, it don't matter. We, need, <laughs> we all need human touch from people. It's amazing how just a warm pat on the back can just energize you in a moment. We need that. And this guy wasn't getting that. And Jesus knew that, and he gave it to him. He was moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing He's saying that to you today. I am willing. Not only am I able, not only am I willing, but I'm also able. I'm willing and able. So he stretched out his hand, touched him, and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. Now, I have to share this story. When I was down in Oklahoma, I was working for a company called Harrison House, um, doing uh, shipping and receiving. And there was a gal there that I worked with, a co-worker, liked her a lot, and we, you know, worked together. And and she had um, pariasis and eczema really bad. And it, the Lord gave this story to me because it kind of ties in with the leprosy a little bit. But she had, since she was a young child, she would have outbreaks of eczema and, and psoriasis, if I'm saying that correctly. All over her body, it would just break out. And she was a beautiful woman in probably her mid to late 40s. Just a beautiful gal. But she would break out in these outbreaks all over her body. And it would be so painful. Not only would it look terrible and you'd be embarrassed to go in public, but it was so painful to the degree that she told me she would take her straight iron and stick that iron on the skin because it was so painful she would burn herself trying to numb the pain. That was the extremity or the the extremeness, uh, the severity. That's what I was looking for. The severity of what she was dealing with since she was a young child. And now she's in her late 40s. Anyway, she comes to work in the morning with a breakout, and she is freaked out. And she's looking at me, Terry, I'm burning, I'm broke out, I'm freaking out, I don't know what to do. And I was like, all right, let's just chill out for a sec. 
And, man, we're feeding on Brother Hagen all day long. We're listening to sermons all day. She's got the word in her, so she's just ready to receive. And I said, man, are you, are, do you believe right now Jesus already took care of it? He will heal you now. Oh, and she was so ready, and I prayed for this gal, and immediately the pain left her. This was on a Friday. She came back to me on Monday and said it was completely clear. Months went by with no outbreaks. And she was jumping and shouting and praising God every day because she lived in such agony for the majority of her life. And to think how something like that would, would actually detour people from her. A beautiful woman, yet having this terrible skin affliction. The Lord healed her in that moment. And it, it never came back. And I worked there for like over a year. And every day she was reminding me, Terry, I'm healed. I'm whole. It didn't come back. Not only do I not burn, but I don't have any more outbreaks. The scars that I had are now clear. God is in the healing business today. And I believe I'm on a mission today and most days <laughs> to bring this message of hope, help, and healing quoting Rhema there on that, but God is wanting to do healing in your life. Mark 5, 28, the woman with the issue of blood, she said to herself, so she said something. Once again, she spoke something. She muttered something. She meditated. If I can just touch the hem of his robe, I will be healed. And then he said, Jesus and Jesus said, daughter, your faith has made you well. She spoke, she acted, and the power of God was released. Let me say this, that the gifts of the Spirit operated mightily in Jesus' ministry. That is where God initiates the healing and the miracles. However, we see most of the time in Scripture people who were healed or received a miracle according to their own faith in God's Word. Jesus would often say, according to your faith, be it unto you. Jesus had absolutely nothing with that, with that woman with the issue of blood being healed. He had the power in him. He knew he, he had the ability, but it was the woman that took the action. He did, he, he's looking around, who touched me? What just happened? It's not like this was ministry time for Jesus. He was just walking through, and somebody acknowledged who he was and the power that was in him. Oh, Lord. All right, we're closing here. 